You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Now this morning as we begin to look at this message, I'm going to be ministering to you because I believe there's a place in our lives that we seek after, a place where our faith soars, where our expectation of change is there. But there's also a place that many people get in where it's hard for them to see the way out. It's hard to see, to have the confidence that God's going to deliver them and set them free. And you say, well, I'm in a pretty good place right now spiritually, Pastor. That's really not for me. Well, save the message for later. When you go through life and there will be that time you'll be in a place you need this message. Can you say amen? Because I believe all of us have oftentimes in our lives those places where we just don't see things the way we need to see to come out into the blessing that God has for us. And so this message is about how to get to that place. Are you with me? All right. Look up on the screen here. We're going to use this for our text today. It's found in 2 Chronicles. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Now, here's the context. Here's a king who had gotten into a habit of not seeking the Lord in his ministry. Now, maybe he did in the beginning, but he stopped seeking the Lord somewhere along the Lord. He got into a place where he just said, well, I'll just solve the problems that we have with natural solutions. And so what he did is he went and he took the tithe from the temple and used it to hire mercenaries to protect his people. And the prophet comes along and quotes this to him because the prophet is telling him this, that God is looking for anyone that has his word in his heart. Anyone that is trusting in his heart, God is looking for that individual to minister to him in strength. But since you didn't do that, you're going to have this ongoing trouble in your life. And everyone that loved Jesus said amen. Come on, church. This is good. Now, here's the truth that I want you to see. This is very important. Whenever you're in a place where you refuse to quit and you say, Lord, I'm going to continue to believe no matter how long it takes, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how hard it is, I am not going to give up. I'm going to keep seeking you for a breakthrough, seeking you for restoration, seeking you to see my life change. When you're in that place, you're in a position where Jesus will always show up. But when you give up, God never shows up with people who have given up. He never shows up when people doubt that he'll help them. He only shows up when you're in faith for. Can you follow me so far? Now, you know, in the Bible, it has some specific instructions about this. It tells, James said this, he said, if anyone is double-minded, they will not receive anything from the Lord. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Now, what is double-mindedness and what is single-mindedness? Well, double-mindedness, the best illustration I've ever heard is the one my wife gave me. My wife is a very, she's a very wonderful woman, but she won't commit to something until she's thoroughly convinced 
It's what she wants. So oftentimes she'll go and she'll buy an outfit. And I go into her closet and it's hanging there with all the tags on it. And she like walks by it for weeks looking at it. Because she's not quite committed yet to buy it. She's what I call double-minded, not in a negative way, but she's double-minded. Now, once she pulls the tags off, she's single-minded. She's committed. What I want you to do is I want you to look at the promises of like God like this. Don't just take them home and hang them up. Take off the tags and say, I am standing in faith for this. I'm not going to be moved by what I see. I'm not going to be moved by what I feel. I am going to stand in faith until this promise is manifested in my life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Years ago, there was a, uh, an incident in my own life where I learned the power of this, where you just don't give up. You keep praying. You keep believing. You just don't give up. And I remember we were at Bible school and both of my kids had ear infections. And we'd taken them to the doctor and, and it just wouldn't go away. And he says, you need to have put tubes in the ears of your children. And I didn't want to do that. First of all, we didn't have no medical insurance, so it was very expensive. But I'm a faith guy. I'm believing God. I said, Lord, you need to heal. You need to heal them. You need to heal them. So we kept standing in faith, but there's a point where you just have to say, okay, we just need to do it the doctor's way. And so it got to that place. My son was crying, and my wife said, we need to take him to the doctor. So I said, let me just chill out for a minute, take a bath. Now, I know you're, you, you women are saying, why would you do that? Because I'm listening to God. I take the, I'm in the bath. And I'm talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, I stood, stood in faith about this. I want you to fix this. And I remember these words came out of my spirit. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and he shows himself strong to the, whose heart is completely his. And as soon as those words came out, instantly my son stopped crying. And both of my children were healed. Never had to have tubes in their ear. Come on, say amen. Now sometimes it doesn't work out as well for some people. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. I'm just telling you that, that you can't quit. You can't give up on what God can do in your life. One of my favorite stories I like in the Bible is John chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. It talks about, or verse 1 through 7, it talks about a man that for meant 38 years, would go to a pool that had a reputation that an angel would come down and stir it, and the first one in would get healed. For 38 years, he kept trying to get his healing. For 38 years, someone beat him to it. 38 years, he got close, but never close enough to get in. You remember that story. But he wouldn't give up. And that's why in the first verse, it says that Jesus went up to this place. Why? He went to a man whose faith wouldn't give up. God will always show up in your marriage if you won't give up. God will always show up in your finances if you won't give up. God will always show up with raising your children if you don't give up. God will always show up if you don't give up. He will show up in your life and bless you in a great way. You just can't give up.
And I understand that when you preach something like this, you have people who have given up. But I'm preaching to you something that if, if, if it hasn't come to the place where you gave up and you just went a di different direction, then I want to encourage you, don't give up. Jesus is going to show up. And when he shows up, he's going to restore. When he shows up, he's going to give you a breakthrough. When he shows up, he's going to bring the healing and deliverance in your life that you desire. Amen. But you have to be determined like that to experience that in your life. Now, here, here's a part of this that I want you to see. Look in Ephesians chapter 1. And I want you to see this verse. It's a very powerful verse, but it shows you that whenever our purposes are God's purposes, God always provides for them. We get into trouble when we want to do our own thing. But if we are doing the thing he wants for us, he always provides for it. Look at, look, at, look at what this says. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of who's calling? Who's calling? His calling. And what are the riches of the glory of whose inheritance? His inheritance in the saints. In other words, it's not about what you purpose. It's about what God's purposed for you. God has purposed for you to have a great family. God has purposed for you to succeed. God has purposed for you to, to excel financially. God has purposed for you to do these things. But you've got to follow his purpose. And remember, whatever God has ordered, he provides for if God orders your deliverance, he provides for your deliverance. If he ordered your new home, then he's going to provide for your new home. If he ordered, come on, your restoration, then he's provided for your restoration. Whatever he orders, he provides for. When you study in the Old Testament, you see people raised from the dead. You see kingdoms change. You see people walking on the water uh, or walking uh, through uh, rivers that are backed up by the Spirit of God. You see miracles, the Red Sea split. All those things that happened in the Old Testament were all put on the credit of Christ. In other words, if there's such a thing as a spiritual credit card, when God did all those miracles, he said, put it on my son's credit card. Because one day he's going to go to the cross and one day he's going to pay the price for every deliverance, everything that you might need to be in the center of my will. Praise God. Come on, church. That's good preaching. So wherever you're at, understand something. I'm called to preach. This is my purpose. I'm not called to do something else. This is what God called me to do. Everyone has a specific purpose that God has called you to do, and God will always provide for that purpose. It's when we get out of our purpose and we try to be someone God didn't call us to be or do something that God didn't call us to be that we run into trouble. But if you stay within your purpose, whatever you need, God will provide for you. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone that loved him said amen and amen. amen. Now he, here's the truth that I want you to see. And I want you to write this down. What you see will be in your life. Let me say it again. What you see will be 
in your life. Let me say it again. What you see will be in your life. That's why God told Abraham, lift up your eyes and see. Because it was God's will for him to possess the land. And so as soon as he saw it, it will be in his life. You know, that idea of it shall be is taught in prayer. At the end of prayer, what do we say? Amen. You know what amen means? It means it is and it shall be. In other words, we pray, we believe God, and then we say it is and it shall be. If you can see it, it shall be in your life. This is an exciting morning. It shall be. Can you see your life change? Can you see your marriage better? Can you see your finances going to another level? Can, come on, can you see it? Because if you see it, it shall be in your life. Amen. Okay, that's pretty weak. But here's the flip side of it. The Word of God, it says, is a double-edged sword. There's two sides to the Word. The Word of God tells us what will be if we see it. But also, if you see some things, you'll be that as well, that are negative. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. If you see yourself defeated, you'll be defeated. If you see yourself always at loss, you'll be at loss. If you see yourself always brokenhearted, you'll always be brokenhearted. If you, and it works both ways. What we got to do is say, okay, right now I'm not in the place that I need to be. Right now, everything I see is terrible. But Lord, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to begin to see things the way you said to see them. I see my life changing. I see it going in the right direction. I see the restoration that I desire. I see my family getting better. I see my finances getting better. And once you do that, then you begin to turn the tide in your life. But you've got to change the state that you're in. And you've got to be in a state that God's blessings will excel in your life. God won't work through you when you're seeing the wrong things. You got to quit seeing faults and start seeing gifts. Come on, instead of seeing, come on, what you're afraid of, start seeing what God has equipped you with. Start seeing the right things in your life. It'll transform you. It'll change you. It'll bring you into the place that God wants you to be in. It'll bring you in the blessing. I said this last week, and I want to speak it again to you, the importance of how to change your state. If you always end a situation in a negative way, that means when you start that same situation again, it'll be in a negative way. But if you end every problem in a positive way, then when you start that new problem, you'll start it in a positive way. How many have ever known people that had a good attitude about this, but a bad attitude about that? Good attitude about their marriage, but a bad attitude about their kids. Good attitude about their job, but a bad attitude towards their marriage. What's the difference? How you end. If you end a challenge with a negative, 
you will start a negative when you approach that challenge again. But if you say to yourself, no, I'm going to end every discussion in, in my life with my wife, whether we agree or not, in a positive way, so that when we talk about it again, I won't be approaching it in a negative way, but a positive way, this will open your eyes to the blessings of God. It'll help you see that you can receive as much as God wants you to have in your life. In other words, you've got to have a winning attitude to win. Remember Isaiah 1 at 19 said, If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Willingness is the attitude you have. People go, what is an attitude? An attitude is this. A bad attitude is a losing attitude. A winning or, or a good attitude is a winning attitude. You can't win in a marriage without a good attitude. You can't win in your career without a good attitude. You can't win over your health without a good attitude. You've got to have a good attitude to win in anything. And you'll never be able to see yourself with the best of God with a bad attitude. Are you following me? You won't be able to see the best that God has for you without a winning attitude. You won't be able to see yourself excelling financially, excelling in health, excelling in relationship without a good attitude about it. You got to turn it around. And the way that you do it is you always end the challenge with a positive, not a negative. This morning when it was so cold, my wife reminded me of what I preached last week. Don't know how successful I was, but I'm right now I'm successful. Amen? But if you get in a habit of doing this, it will give you the ability to approach every problem with a positive way. I mean, it's like children. If, if all you do when you're dealing with your kids end with a negative note, then you're going to develop a bad attitude towards your children. And you're going to lose the ability to change them and transform them. But if you say, no, I'm going to look at it in a positive way. I know they were stupid, but they're dumb. They're kids. And they haven't grown brains yet. It's my job to help them grow. Okay, anyway, moving right along. And you can imagine how important this is with a, a marriage. If you have a financial problem in the marriage, you're going to have to have a good attitude working with your wife in that area or vice versa. If you don't, you can't win in it. You'll never win in it. I said you'll never win in it. you got to decide that I'm going to be different. I'm going to develop a winning attitude in everything that I do in life. L let me show you a way to kind of locate you on where you're at. You remember the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus talked about two men who heard the word. One heard it and did it. The other one heard it and didn't do it. He says the one was like a man who built his house on a rock. And when the floods came, the rains came and beat against the house. The house stood. It wasn't even shook. But the guy who built the house on the sand, when the rains floods came and the winds came, Great was his house. Now, what's the difference? Location. That's the difference. One was located on sand. The other was located on 
rock. You can always tell where you're at by what you say. You want to find out if you're standing on the sand? Listen to what you say. You want to find if you're standing on the rock? Listen to what you say. Because what you say will give away your location. You can always tell if someone's going forward by what they say. You can always tell when someone's going to fail by what they say. When they start saying things like this, it's not working out. You know where it's going. If they start saying, I've tried, it never works. It's not going to work out. But if you hear that... You can go to God and say, God, I'm not in the right place right now. I want this to work, but I can't get it to work without your help. I need some wisdom. Locate where you're at so you can get on the right footing. You need to be on a footing that will cause your life to excel. A footing that will cause your life to prosper. Ever meet people who had poverty mentality? Talk about money, they're negative. Talk about people with money, they're negative. Those people will never produce financially in their life because they, they're located on sand. But when you get wisdom from the Word of God and act to the Word of God the way the Word says, you will build your finances on a rock. You will build your marriage on a rock. You'll raise your children on a rock. And when the storms come, you will get shook. Say it, say it with me. I, I don't want to get shook. I want to stand strong on that and get the breakthrough that God has called me to in my own life. Now, I want to, I want to address something at this point. This is a place I've been in my, my own life. I've been here. It's a place that faith doesn't grow real well in. And it's a place I call loneliness where you're lonely. It, it's something everyone goes through. And it's got nothing to do with how many people are around you. It has everything to do with you feel alone in the trial that you're going through. You feel like no one understands exactly what I'm going through. And if you're a visionary like me, very few people understand what I'm thinking about. And there's always the moment where you just feel, I'm alone in this. No one understands what my heart is telling me. No one understands what I want, and you feel alone. In Genesis, God said it's not good that a man should be alone. In other words, people who are suffering like company. But sometimes you're in a state, even though you're around everybody, you feel alone. You know, single people, I don't want to be, be alone. So they run out and get married. Now they're married, and yet they still feel alone because their wife or their husband doesn't understand them. He doesn't understand what I'm going through. Am I, am I the only one preaching here today? <laughs> and guys the same way. She don't understand the pressure that I'm under. She doesn't realize what it takes to keep the, put, the, you know, put money on the table. She, she doesn't understand this. She doesn't understand that now I've got these temptations, that temptation. I can't talk to her about it. And I, I feel alone here right now. In that position, it's very dangerous. I said it's very dangerous. Because, first of all, you're not alone. 
He's with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. The Holy Spirit manifests sometimes, but not all the time. He's kind of like your husband. You're out for lunch. He's watching the game on the screen, and he's there, but he's not really there. The Holy Spirit is always there. But sometimes he's not manifesting in the same way that he would that would give you the confidence that you're not alone. And the Lord wants to give you this revelation. This is a revelation of how you can always know he's with you. Here's what the Lord wanted me to give you. You remember the Old Testament when Joshua wanted the promised land, had to pass over the River Jordan, and the River Jordan had overflowed its banks with water? Remember that story? And they need to cross over. And the Lord told them, just put the priests, had them carry the ark, and it said as soon as they touched the water, it piled up all the way to the city of Adam. Here's what the Lord told me. Tell them that the moment they decide they're going to cross, that's the moment I'm going to take their past and back it all the way up. I'm going to take their past and not let it affect them. I'm going to take their past and not let it stop them. I'm going to let their past failures not stop them. As soon as they decide to cross over, I'm going to bring a blessing in their life. The Holy Spirit will begin to manifest in your life. The moment... You decide, I'm going to cross over. I'm going to get to a better place. The moment you say, I'm not going to live the way that I'm living anymore, I'm going to cross over. Soon as you do, whatever your past is, God will make it piled up. And it won't stop you anymore. See, a lot of times your past is stopping you right now. This is not the first time you messed up, not the second time you messed up, not the third time you messed up, not the fourth time you messed up. You've got a messed up, messed up scale. You've got a messed up a record. you got messed up debt. You're messed up. And the devil brings that up. And you beat yourself up. And you whip yourself with that past and that keeps you in that place that you can't see your way out, that you can't see the breakthrough, that you can't see the healing, that you can't see the anointing change your life. We're going to just cross right over. Woo! And when they touched it, the water just piled up. They walked across dry ground. No condemnation. No more guilt, no more fear. I'm pretty excited about the message. I like that particular illustration. Pretty good. So I, I wanted to give that to you so that you would embrace it. That if you're in that state, you can change it simply by deciding to cross over to a different place. Come on, everybody. This is good preaching. You don't have to remain the same that you have been. You can decide today, I'm not gonna longer, no longer going to be that way anymore. I'm going to pass over. Praise God. Let me give you a verse that will really help you in this. This verse is found in the book of Isaiah, and it says this. It says, when the enemy comes in like a flood... God will raise up a standard against him. 
You ever feel like sometimes when it rains, it pours? When it gets cold, everything goes wrong? Come on. Ever feel like it's a domino effect, something goes wrong, and then something else, and then something else, and then something else, and then something else, and then something else? That's Satan. But God says he'll rise up a standard. That standard, I liken it onto uh, a leveling process that God does. When Satan comes in you hard one way, God will pour grace to level it out a little bit. But it's almost like a counterweight. When Satan comes in, it's like he shuts the gate and the blessings don't flow in your life. But on every gate, they have these weights. They're called counterweights. And what God does is he puts a counterweight on that gate. And when the, Satan shuts the door to your blessings, his grace comes and gives you this counterweight. And then God opens that gate up and the floodgates of blessings begin to flow into your life in a great way. Amen. You're no longer shut up, but you're blessed. Woo. Hallelujah. But he says he'll do that. Now, let me show you what we're doing wrong in America today. We're trying to keep God out of the schools. Trying to keep God out of the government. Trying to keep God out of the businesses. Trying to keep God out of America. You know, you do your thing. Wait, 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 wait. If you keep God out of your marriage, God won't show up in your marriage. If you keep God out of the schools, God won't show up in the schools. If you keep God out of America, God won't show up in America. We got to get God back in the schools, back in the government, back in the world. He's not going to show up when we take him out. A lot of people need to get God back into their career. Say amen. amen. Back into your business. How do you do that? Tithing and giving. Doing your work as unto the Lord. Doing it his ways. How do you get God into a marriage? Loving your wife as Christ loved the church. Submitting to your husband is unto the Lord. I know we did a lot of shouting on that last one. That's how you get them in your marriage. Training your children up in the way that they should go. That's how you get them in your marriage. Hallelujah. How do you get them in your career? By finding his purpose. And following his purpose. We need to get God back in our lives, not just on Sunday morning, because you're in the wrong state until he gets back in your life. He's got to get back in your family, back in your children, back in your America, back in us. Because in the other state that people are in, they're in a bad way that will not work for them. And it will not bring to pass what it is that God has for you. You know, I like how David deals with this. He's so spiritual. This is in Psalms 42. He says this. He had just, his son had rebelled against him and he had fled for his life with a few faithful people. And here's what he says during that time. He says, why are you troubled, O my soul? Why are you disquieted? Hope in God. For he again will help me with his presence. What is he saying? He's saying, mind, shut up. 
and listen. The Lord's presence will help me. The Lord will help me get a breakthrough. The Lord will help me get a healing. The Lord will help me get deliverance. Don't whine. Don't be disquieted. Don't be unrestful. Don't do that. He commanded his thinking by what he said. I'm not going to allow this. God will help me like he always has helped me. He will help me with his presence and he will bless me. I want all of you to stand up right now because I want to close this service out with a an illustration that I believe will really help you. It's one the Lord put in my heart that I wanted to relate to you that will help. Because when you're in that place where you can't see yourself healthy, wealthy, and blessed, when you're in that place where you can't see yourself doing any better, you have to keep striking at whatever it is that is trying to mess you up. You can't give up. you got to get determined and fight. When America was being developed, they were giving out free land throughout America. Homesteaders would come in and the government would give them all this real estate, all this property. And the problem was is that in order to farm you have to remove all the trees and all the boulders. You can't just farm on a rock. You've got to remove these things. And so they would come up, but they didn't have the big machinery that we have today where you can go in there with a, a cat and mow things down. We didn't have all that. So they had to do this stuff manually by hand. And one of the challenges they had was the boulders that were on their property. How do we get these boulders broken down to a place that we can get them out of the field so we can cultivate the field? And so someone somewhere started this where they said, well, we'll just keep hitting it with a double jack or a sledgehammer until it splits apart. The problem was is that the first time they struck it, they couldn't see any change. They couldn't see the microscopic crack that was in it. So someone saw it split every time he hit it, even though it didn't split. And they would take on boulders, and they would start to do this, and it may take a week of swinging at this boulder before it would crack. So every day they were out there swinging on that thing. And they couldn't see anything, but they saw it. I see it breaking apart. I see it breaking apart. If they stopped seeing it would be breaking apart, they wouldn't have got the blessing. Did you remember what I said in the beginning? If you can see it, so shall it be. They had to continually see it. So they kept swinging. Whew. I keep seeing it broken. I keep seeing it coming apart. It's kind of like a diet. You want to lose some weight, what do you do every morning? You got a some scale somewhere. I knew I needed to lose some weight. I had a friend buy me a, a scale. Why would he buy me a scale? Anyway, 
So you go on the diet. What do you do in the morning? You get on the scale. If it's not good, you go to the bathroom and come back. But you won't stay on the diet unless you see, see, the, see something change. You won't restore what you need restored unless you see it restored. You got to see it restored when you're striking at the problem. You got to see it restored when you're striking at the disagreement. You got to see it restored when you're when you when you're dealing with the pressure. You got to you got to see it restored when you're dealing with the opposition, when you're dealing with how you feel. When you, you got to keep seeing it. You got to keep seeing it. You got to keep seeing it. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.